Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Bonnie and I had an interesting day today, Aria. We went to a trial in a place that I've actually never been to of all my years here in New Hampshire. A little uh, crappy little town called (laughs) Claremont. Claremont. It Uh, seems like it used to not be crappy. It's kind of large and uh, pretty, but run down and ghetto. I'm familiar with Claremont. Uh, You've heard of it or been there? I've heard of it. Right. Yeah, I'd I've heard, never I've heard of it. Um, I just all I've heard about it over the years is that it was like this dying town for whatever reason. Maybe they I think they had some industry at one point that went out of business and just the town kind of never came back from from it. That's true uh, of a lot of places. Less so here in New Hampshire, I've noticed. But there New are Hampshire's a lot of economy's pretty decent, all yeah. things considered. But Yeah, that's why I, I literally tweeted I was like, I'm here at the court in a place called Claremont. It's ghetto for New Hampshire. Yeah, uh, and I and that's just all I'd ever heard about the place. I guess it's lost a little bit of its population in the last decade. We pulled up some of the statistics on the town, uh, and it, it is technically a city. It's a smaller city. It's the only city in uh, Sullivan County, and uh, it makes Keene look like a real destination. Yeah, I was happy uh, to by, get back to Keene <laughs> by comparison. Well, Keene, Keene kind of is. I mean, for its size, Keene yeah. has a lot going on, and it's a very very hipster kind of town so it's very charming it's got a lot it's got a lot of charm to it yeah this town uh looks like it just put down the crack pipe basically oh okay uh, yeah keen doesn't have that <laughs> there are sections of keen that look like they just put down the heroin needle yeah well and, i mean and every, some that look like they just put down the crack pipe every but, place has its scuzzy uh, inhabitants and little its area trashy houses but uh this place was literally there were literally like uh, I, I noticed as we were pulling out that there was like right on one of the main street kind of circles that they they like to have their circles here in New Hampshire. Good lord, yes they do. <laughs> uh, and, and right on this circle was a prominent location that had like busted out windows up on the second Aww. floor. So just every single not... thing was closed. It, we, I well, re- it was Monday. Most restaurants are closed on on Monday. Yeah, so but a lot that. of stuff was just closed for good. You could tell. Yeah. I mean that's that's sort of a new phenomenon, isn't? Didn't that really begin during like the COVID nineteen era? Because I don't remember it just being a thing where restaurants were regularly closed no, on Mondays. I've, I've always it? said that to Ian, and Ian always goes, "No, it's always been that way." I've lived here for maybe since only 2006. in like, New Hampshire or something. And so we went to their court, which was one of the smallest, maybe the smallest court uh, that I have yet attended in New Hampshire. And it was like barely like a hole in the wall. I mean, I think if we had 30 people, that whole room would have been full to the max. Yep. Uh, they actually, it was so kind of, I don't know, I don't know if ghetto is the right word, but or low budget or whatever that they actually, instead of the normal in court, you would have pews, right? Because mm-hmm. it's church. Right. And it's the evil Satan, or evil, not Satan, but the, the evil uh, government church. Devil. The devil, right. And they normally have pews for the the parishioners to sit uh, amongst. But here they just had like these old looking chairs that you would see. You would see these in like, like in a the, church. In a church, but like the the stackable chairs, yeah. like we have over the Bitcoin Embassy, like just the just yeah, cheap the, the, chairs, the little metal ones. Yeah, the metal chairs with like the really cushions. hurt your butt after a while. Yeah, they made. They look like they you were made in the 1955 pews. or something like that. And you know how you normally have like a wooden bar type of thing mm-hmm. with a door that you, separates like the pews. 
from the front of the church, right. aka the where the judge sits. There wasn't that. There was just like a bar. Yeah, there was little a literal metal sculpted bar that was like, like screwed into the the floor, like the type that would be like. In between you and someone else in a line, like mm-hmm. you could go under it. Yeah, you could go right under. Yeah, that's it. what I was thinking. At least yeah. they didn't use one of those, right? Like one of those lines that they put up at grocery stores all over to make people navigate a rat. Those are like the temporary to keep ones. People safe during COVID nineteen or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't temporary. It was like always there. It was like metal yeah. and connected to the floor, but it was basically that. Well, they but call I, it crossing the bar when you go from the uh, in court. That's one of the terminologies that they use is when you go from the audience area to the area where court happens, uh, you are crossing the bar. In this case, it literally was a bar that they were using. So it's very kind of old style setup. And interestingly, the chairs were zip tied together. I don't know if you noticed that, Bonnie. I didn't notice that. But it was one of the first things I noticed when I looked down at the chairs. And I, I knew Maybe exactly so you can't why. throw a chair at That's the judge. exactly why. Wow. Yeah, they don't want people picking up chairs and throwing them or moving Wrestling them. Wrestling style. So, yeah. What, it, what happens at this place that there's a risk of people throwing chairs it's at the court. judge? You know people get mad. They, okay, don't, want, yeah. they don't want to have a, like a potential <laughs> weapon in there. So they zip-tied all the chairs uh, to one another. Bonnie and I were at this trial today for uh, Press NH Now. and that's uh, He's got a YouTube. I don't know if he's on Odyssey, but he definitely has a YouTube. He's one of the, I guess, you know, fairly popular First Amendment auditors. He goes to different government bureaucracies. He records video. Sometimes they arrest him for it. And that's what happened in this case. First Amendment auditing is... I admire these people. When when it's done well and mm-hmm. it, when it's entertaining, I admire these people. Some of them yeah. aren't as entertaining as others. And some of them are just like, okay, you know, I appreciate what you're doing, but I don't find your videos entertaining. When they're entertaining and informative... It's some of the best content out yeah. there. A yeah. lot of them that I've seen outside of New Hampshire just seem to be like crackheads who aren't making a whole lot of sense and they just know they don't like cops and it's not as entertaining. But Joa from Breaking the Flaw and this guy, Preston H. Now, oh my God, they're so great. Yeah, they, so know, they know their rights and they are not afraid to assert their rights. And, and they're well-spoken. They're not right. just like crackheads. It's always entertaining to see someone stand up for themselves against yes. the police. And so that's that's one of the reasons I think a lot of people watch these channels. So he goes to this town called Charlestown, which is just south of where the trial was. Uh, the trial was at uh, Claremont. Claremont District Court. And so Charlestown's the town to the south there. And he went to this town. There was some issues with uh, trashy people, like, threatening him. The police chief's son apparently is a drug dealer, allegedly, in the town. And so there was some sort of an issue there. He got into it with some bureaucrat inside City Hall, like one of the town selectmen at some point. And... There was, I guess he put in a Freedom of Information Act request at some point. And I, and I just, sorry for not knowing all the details of the, right. the pre story. There's, you know, there's a lot. I don't watch his account regularly because these guys stream for, in some cases, hours at a time. They're but lots lengthy. of people do. These yeah. people have little armies of they've, fans. They've got a lot of fans. And in, in this case, he ended up getting arrested for what his fans were doing. So this this turned out to be a total free speech case, as I will explain here. So he shows back up in this town 
uh, on to get his 91A, as they call it here, the Freedom of Information Act. They call it in New Hampshire 91A. That's based on the statute number that is the Freedom RSA of Information. 91A. Correct, correct. Yes, yeah, so it's the Freedom of Information statute. He filed one of these things asking for whatever information they had on him, I think, was what he was looking for. And so the police chief contacts him and says, yep, you can come get it. And he says, well, why can't you email it to me? Well, you have to come get it. That's silly. That's policy. That's how it is. Yeah. And so he has to I mean, that sounds like the state. I mean, there's a faster, better, easier method of them delivering this information. And no, you have to come get it in person. So he goes into the, uh, the police station and asks for his file. The overweight dispatcher who's behind the counter there is not being particularly helpful she refuses to identify herself she testified today explaining that the reason she refused to identify herself which by the way is a violation of the constitution when a bureaucrat refuses to identify themselves because new hampshire are federal new hampshire new hampshire's article 8 if i recall correctly of the bill of rights specifies that Government should be open, accountable, and transparent. And in order to be those things, you have to know who the hell you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. She did give him her badge number, but she refused to give her identity. And these so, issues have been hashed out in front of the New Hampshire Supreme Court, I'm assuming, right? I presume. I mean, she wasn't held accountable for this in any way, shape, or form, at least not yet. What was her explanation for it? She claimed she was worried because she was all alone, and he had people watching on the stream, and she didn't want them to Over the internet? Yeah, because he's streaming live (laughs) everywhere he goes. What were they going to do over the internet? Just from having her name. They knew her exact location in that moment. Well, the thing is... But if they had her name, she would have died. Thing is, if she had simply given her name... Maybe she would have avoided what came next, Hmm. which was a barrage of phone calls coming into the police dispatch center from his viewers trying to find out what her name was. Yeah, my concern with these uh, electric cars, you know, uh, my perception is that uh, when they get these electric cars, they're not going to have enough battery material for the entire population. So, you know, it seems to me like only the people in the government and the party elites go get these electric cars. And since there's a limited amount of battery material, I mean, uh, are they going to take all our cell phones to make ends meet to make sure they even have more battery material for just a few more people in the party in the top? Well, well you said you think they're going to take our cell phones to make battery material? Yeah, I mean, how many people have cell phones? There's a few more electric cars for those party elites. They might want us to use pay phones, you know, the hell with the poor people. They're already taking the poor people's guns, money, their kids. Well, the good news, Renee, is that uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And so when some sort of new power source is needed, people manage to figure out a way to to make it happen. I'm, I'm not somebody who really worries about shortage or lack I think that there is a certain lack mentality amongst people on the planet, and I think those people are misinformed about kind of the way things tend to be. Uh, There's always some new form of energy that we haven't found yet, or we're just on the cusp of of finding. Yeah, that's what you should be worried about the government uh, keeping from us is knowledge of how to actually get free energy from the air. Yeah, I think there are some legitimate concerns about these batteries. What's that? The space program ramping up to go get more minerals out in the moon or something, on Mars. 
I mean, they're wrapped. That sounds like a really state. expensive, stupid uh, way proposal. I don't know how economical that's going to be, but uh, and if it's the governments that are doing that, then it'll be a huge waste of money in that case because yeah, they it wouldn't be economical at all to, right. to mine anything from. Even the moon, which humans have been to, mm-hmm. would be astronomically expensive. No so pun intended. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Mars, humans haven't even set foot on. Right. I mean, sure, we could probably send some robots up there or something to do that, but it. And they might at th- some they point. They might, I but mean, it's not going to happen anytime soon, and it's going to be extremely expensive. And there's no way to mine anything on Mars that would be cost effective unless it was just something that you absolutely could not find on earth yeah and who knows what's up there i mean they i don't think they've done a whole lot of sampling of, of things i did hear something about the mars rover did just do a, a dig at some point it, like it actually stuck something in into the ground i didn't read anything further on what if anything special right. it it may have found there so bonnie and i were in court with what seemed to be maybe a dozen other supporters yeah. it seemed like there were a fair number of people that that's they, a good turnout yeah it was the, and most of the people i didn't recognize there was one lady that i did recognize and joa came out and the rest of them i don't think yeah, there I'd was like seen five people i'd never seen before that seemed to be kind of like fans of his one was his girlfriend mm-hmm. mostly older folks too like people probably in their 50s or 60s hmm. yeah when we walked in there was a guy them. talking to the bailiff like have you ever heard of the new world order you know what that is it's bad stuff you should look it up <laughs> yep and so uh let's see so the trials i was recapping what happened so this first amendment auditor he's, his channel is called uh, press nh now and his real name's mark i didn't even know that i don't think before today i would but, hope if he's smart enough to be a first amendment auditor he's smart enough to also be on odyssey i would hope so but mm, you know maybe he is maybe know. he isn't anyway are so you looking bonnie yeah he Thank showed you. up at the police station in charlestown new hampshire to pick up a freedom of information act request and while he was in there trying to get the information from these bureaucrats or this one bureaucrat because there's no one else there it's a small town so they have like a dispatcher and one person on on duty in this case the police chief was the one person on duty he claimed under oath today that it was because they're short-staffed they don't have as many officers uh as they might like to because guess what it's it's hard to find uh people that want to be police these days given the all the negatives of the job and that people well, thank hate goodness. them uh, so, Good job, America. Keep it up. Yeah, indeed. So uh, so he's there. He asked for the, the paperwork. She checks in with the chief. He, by the way, refuses, not the chief, but uh, Press NH now, refused to identify himself. Which is fine. Which he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to, but it does complicate things, right? Like, okay, well, how do I know who you are if you're here to pick up a thing? If you're not, you know, are you the person you say you are? Anyway, the chief told her, just look in this file. If the picture that's in the file matches the person, just go ahead and hand it to him. So the picture matched. She hands him the file. That seems reasonable. And he looks at the information and he says, I want to talk to the chief. Because there's not what he asked for. He says the information that he asked for, which included like phone calls or whatever, voicemail, etc. None of that's there. It's just some text information and that was it. It's like, well, where's the full info? I want to talk to the chief directly. And what happened was this woman refused to identify herself. And that's one of the regular questions that you'll hear a First Amendment auditor ask when you, if you ever watch their videos of them going into different bureaucracies, is, oh, well, what's your name? Well, what's your name? You know, get get the IDs right. of these bureaucrats. You can, if you need to, file a complaint about them later, potentially try to get them fired for violating your rights or whatever. So it's an important question to ask. This woman refuses to give that information. Is it... Uh What's what's the term for it? Um, 
chicken or the egg, right? So like, you know, what do you do? You, do you breathe money into a dying town and hope that it you know comes back to life? I mean, well, it's, a, it's a pretty big risk. The greatest subs known to mankind are in Claremont. That's true. Best subs, I think, was what it was. Best subs known, known to, to mankind. mankind. That's about all they have. But we. That's did the name there. of a restaurant. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, oh, okay, sure, I guess. <laughs> I, I mean, a sandwich is a sandwich, but okay. It was fine. It's just <laughs> fine. It was I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do with a sandwich, no, right? No, there really isn't. But they didn't get it wrong, so like, you know, okay, it was pretty yeah. good. And it was the only place open, basically. And on, the service uh, was nice, Monday. so I'm not actually complaining. It was just funny. It was kind of funny, because we went in there, and you know, we ordered whatever we were going to order, and I said, do you take gold? And without missing a beat, the guy's like, yeah. I said, nice. you take gold? Because I was surprised. Most people wouldn't say yes to that question. Most people are surprised about the question. Or and confused. Stunned or confused. And he says, yeah, man, we'll take, uh, what was it? Chips. Like chips, not chips, but like. Slices. Sli- I don't remember what word shards? he used. Shards or whatever, right? Like little bits of gold. He's like, yeah, sure. We'll take. Like, so I pulled the gold backs out of my wallet. I'm really? And then he was pretty amazed by the gold backs. Uh, I'm sure. And, and uh, he had been joking. And, oh, about yeah. taking the shards or whatever. He, I was, think, he was like, yeah, sure, we'll take gold. Ha ha ha. Joking back with Ian. Yeah, he wasn't the boss. He thought, right, he thought I was kidding. Right. right? Uh, he wasn't, turned out he wasn't Who the Who the owner. hell kids about it was buying something funny. with gold? It was, it was funny. He just like didn't miss a beat like Ian said. We were all like, really? Yeah, and uh, it turns out he's not the owner, so he really ultimately couldn't make the decision, but he did say he would show them, because I left one for a you know, top Obviously. of my tip. I uh, he said he'd show the owner when he came back in, but it was just and he just was really funny. amazed by him. So, and that's always just so fun to I mean, show. If it's people. a locally owned place, there's a really good chance that you know we we can get them to take gold. Indeed, although I can't say I would regularly make make the trip the up hour there. long drive up to uh, even to for the best subs <laughs> known to mankind. Even yeah. the guy behind us was like, "Those are a pretty cool idea." Yeah, it, I think the guy behind us made a comment like, "Yeah, at least you know what you're getting" or something yep, he like said that. A, right? At least no, he said at least it's real value. Right. Yep. Yeah, he instantly got it. Just Welcome a ran- to New Hampshire, The random New Hampshire guy behind us, you know. Dispatcher calls the police chief. This is as the dispatcher is getting call after call after call from, presumably from Press NH Now's viewers, because he's live streaming it on YouTube with something like 600 viewers. So there's a bunch of people who are picking up their phone, and they're calling this dispatcher to let the dispatcher know they don't that appreciate... That she's fat. Well, I don't know if that's what... That, who knows what she, what they said to her, but they... I uh, hope they wouldn't say something like that. Well, they were insulting her, and she said that she didn't even want to repeat or relive what they were saying to her. Yeah, you never know what anonymous people on the internet are going to say or do, but... Uh, that, that's so gross, though. I mean, there there's so many better ways that you can insult someone than attacking them for being overweight. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you on that, but that's the thing with anonymous hordes. Yeah. You, you don't get to control what the hordes do. Uh, and so he wasn't trying to tell people what to do. He just gave them the phone number at one point and said, hey, if you want to find out what this lady's name is, you could call and ask because she won't t- she wouldn't tell him what her name was. So a bunch of them called in to try to to try to get that information out of her, because that's what government bureaucrats are supposed to do is identify themselves if you ask them to. And so she's fielding call after call after call. Police chief shows up. They have some sort of back and forth as he kind of walks in the door and then the police chief steps away from the interaction with Press NH now and goes in and pokes his head into the dispatcher area. And because he'd heard, he says he heard all the calls coming in, which seemed like a high volume of calls. And he asked the dispatcher something to the effect of, 
are these calls coming from his viewers? And so, obviously, she wouldn't know for sure where they were coming from, per se, but she presumed that they were. Right. And she so, said, yeah. So then he turned around and told Press NH Now that he's under arrest for obstructing government administration and ultimately hit him with a disorderly conduct charge. And then Press NH Now did not turn around fast enough for the liking of this uh, chief. So the chief began shouting at the top of his lungs. Like a psychopath. And then ultimately... Well, he, he is a psychopath. Yeah. He's a, yeah. He's the chief psychopath. Yep. Yes. Ultimately, but they have no way the of pro- there, There's so many things wrong with this. They have no way of proving that these were, in fact, his viewers, first of all. Mm-hmm. And even if they were, there's nothing illegal about them calling to find out this information. No, there's not. Uh, they don't like it because it distracts them from doing whatever other things they might normally be doing. Shooting like black people? Ruining people's <laughs> lives and that sort of thing. But, of course, the, the way they put it in court was that, oh, well, because of all these calls coming in, which are, you know, just people asking questions or whatever or expressing their frustration, maybe in a uncouth manner, but regardless. And do they, we even know how many calls there were? They made it sound like it was more than they'd ever received and that it went on and on for, for three days. She said she didn't stop answering calls for the rest of her five hours she was there. Yeah, he did say there was a, dull, uh, a lull in them in the middle of the night. But beyond that, it was just nonstop uh, phones ringing off the hook. They had five lines. Which is fantastic. I think that that's exactly what that lady deserved for not um, giving her information. I mean, there were, uh, yes, there was no harm done. She just had to Mm -hmm. answer the phone. Well, the claim is that it blocked legitimate, quote unquote, calls from, say, 911 or whatever. These are recorded lines, so it seems like we should have some examples of what they said that upset her so much. They did not play those uh, in court, and I don't think they would have been able to because the the defense attorney seemed to be pretty on his ball as far as objecting to the things okay. that this prosecutor was doing. And the prosecutor was trying to bring in evidence from outside of the scope of like, the trial. After he was arrested and let out, did you have another conversation with objection? It's after he was arrested. It has nothing to do with the tr- the charges. Like, right. it, she was so bad. And, and it just went on for hours. I was just sitting there thinking about my poor dog in the kitchen while this <laughs> dumb lady was just up there being dumb. Yeah, it was interesting. Normally, you don't see a judge so visibly frustrated by the, the prosecution. In- yeah, by the incompetence of a prosecutor. But this judge, and on more than one occasion... The first, the first thing that really stood out was three times in a row this woman asked a leading question. She asked, a, or rather, a question that calls, called for speculation. speculation. Uh, just this sort of question that gave the answer, essentially, to the, the person on the stand and wanted them to agree with it, essentially, even though they wouldn't have possibly have known right. what, the, you know, what, what the source of this thing was. And the, the defense attorney... Like if attorney, I was say, well, do you think that the reason that right. someone did this was blah, blah, blah? Exactly. And it's objection... It's kind of leading and... Yes, exactly. Speculation. Uh, so objection calls for speculation. Judge sustains it. And she tries to rephrase it. And it once again gets objected for calls for speculation. And she tries again. And the third time, the judge is like, just move on. She wow. he was not standing for it, and then later on in the in the trial, she just she recapped something she'd already said, and then proceeded to begin to say something else about. And as I have said before, and the judge said, "I've been paying attention. You don't need to tell me again," <laughs> and just seemed really I, frustrated. I want to watch this. This sounds like 
I mean, I don't want to watch the full thing because it sounds it's like a lot long. of it was yeah. pretty tedious, but yeah. I, I'm sure you'll have an edited entertainment. I, I just started. I'm not going to spend the time Aww. on it to do that, but somebody <laughs> somebody can pull out those clips. It was so boring. I just started playing games on my phone. Well, That's I mean, a good use of your time. Pretty, pretty standard for most court. Most court tends to be pretty dull, but this one was particularly bad because she was just playing videos for, for most of her. Uh, Except for the parts time. where the judge was like ripping her. Basically. Now, look, I'm not trying to give this judge a whole lot of credit. He was yeah, It wasn't even fun uh, ripping. Honestly, yeah. it's literally not worth it. He was just tired okay. of her. He was just, you know, annoyed by her. You could tell that he's that he has to deal with this woman a lot. But and, they're on the same team, so that yes. says a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it does. And whatever made Ian giggle was Press and H now saying something along the lines of you know, insulting the government person for not having the real power he thinks he does. So nice. I think that that's what really why it was such a sore spot to the mm. judge because the judge's whole thing was uh, people need to respect the government if they want the government to respect them. The, and we'll get that's into not that. the way it works. No. Nope. Well, that's so you're referring to a comment that the judge made right at the end of the trial. So both sides had closed. Their, well, the defense didn't even put a, a witness on. I mean, he didn't need to. The case clearly had not been proven in any way, shape, or form uh, by the prosecution. So the defense just immediately rested. They went. There was no closing statements. Wow. Uh, the judge. That's just, hardcore. The judge just went to his, uh, his, and I was surprised. I figured the judge would take it under advisement and issue a written ruling because usually, if they're going to go with not guilty, they don't do it right there in open court. But this guy did, and not only, but so he gave him a not guilty on both charges, which is the good news. But before that, he lectures him, as Bonnie was was mentioning, telling him that well, respect goes both ways, and that, you need to. I can see that you're a person who demands respect and believes that the government and police should respect your rights and that is perfectly fine but you need to understand that it goes both ways you don't you can't think you can just come up in here cussing at my uh our government workers our public servants and expect to have respect shown back to you because that's not how this works but the press and h guy he didn't swear at the lady right I don't remember what he said. I'm pretty sure he only ever cursed when talking to the cop who was a psychopath losing his mind over nothing. And even then, there's nothing wrong with with cursing. Nope. No, there's not. And And these people are supposed to be serving. So it just doesn't make sense that you have to show them respect to have your basic rights not violated. Well, right. And if they were actually doing their job, if this woman actually showed him the courtesy of giving him her name, which is a respectable thing to do, right? Like, oh, sure. my name's so-and-so. I'm Press NH now. What's your name? Uh, you know, that was disrespectful right there. If these people would actually respect other people's rights and not arrest peaceful people for victimless crimes, maybe then they would actually earn some respect. As his defense attorney pointed out in one of the cross-examinations of the government witnesses, government called three witnesses. got the police chief to admit this. Yeah, he's like, well, it's a First Amendment protected activity to do a Freedom of Information Act request and record video, right? Chief's like, yeah, of course it's First Amendment. Yeah, of course it is. It's like, okay. And calling in to ask a question of the police department is a First Amendment protected activity, right? 
yeah, yeah, of course that is. But, and then he said, but, and I, I wish I had the actual clip here, but he tried to like equivocate with the answer on that one and, you know, add some sort of a. But uh, there is exemption. no but. No, that's right. There is, there is no but. Oh, well, yeah, they took up all of our phone lines. Okay. But that's not. They didn't know that that was, you know, like they weren't on. It wasn't the same person on all five lines, right? Like and even if they did, that's. That's not their fault. That that's the police department's fault because in the day, the era of the internet, it's easy to have an infinite number of phone lines. Where if if you have five lines full, it automatically generates a sixth, mm-hmm. and if you have six lines, it automatically generates a seventh. Yeah, but these guys are probably using nineteen nineties. He literally said, fault "The magic of telephony." Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that again, that's just their fault though. They could easily have some sort of voiceover IP system set up that gives them effectively infinite phone lines. Even so, it wouldn't matter because they still would have arrested him. Even if yeah. they had oh, twenty five no lines and only twenty of them were full, they still only had one dispatcher there. They yeah. were frustrated, and so they lashed out at the only person that they could hurt. They couldn't arrest the people that were calling from Indiana mm-hmm. or Ohio or whatever. Yep. So press NH now, Mark was standing in the room, so like, well, we'll just put handcuffs on this guy <laughs> and then, you know, see what happens. Cause they know most people are gonna take a plea deal, that they're not gonna fight it in trial, but they don't apparently know these people. Oh, but... over something like this, absolutely. What do you mean? Oh, over something minor, like what was this, a misdemeanor or mm-hmm. something like that? Yeah. Why well, I I don't understand why someone would take a plea deal over a most misdemeanor. people do. Over a misdemeanor? Go sit in any court hearing they'll do it over violations it, go go sit in any uh what they call an arraignment hearing where they yeah. just they just see person after person after person after person charged with things like open container of alcohol uh minor possession of uh whatever tobacco or marijuana or whatever the the stupid non-crime is all this crap and time and time again it's, uh it, it's guilty 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 uh, they, it's guilty please all morning long and they it's ring like when, the cash register every single time when you don't know your rights at all and also when your public defender is just telling you yep this is what you got to do this is the best thing for you to do it just it's just like it, you just think that's the best thing for you for you to do like when i was getting uh you know run over by the system the federal system in utah they tried to give me a dui if i knew my rights i could have probably gotten out of out of that like unscathed like yeah. they had nothing However, in the aggregate, so I'm not blaming any individual, but in the aggregate, people taking plea deals empowers the state. And the more people that don't take a plea, the more frustrated the state becomes. Because these prosecutors, I mean, this one that we were watching today was terrible. I mean, she is the epitome of a just, just talentless a uh, low, low you know low end lawyer who is just stuck in the backwoods of uh New Hampshire and she's never going to get out she was probably in her 60s and she looked like Napoleon Dynamite if she was an old lady she was old and awful and she had the the reddest face i've seen on a prosecutor in in memory like she had like those red blood vessel kind of that drunk person look that you you just kind of know the person's got a serious drinking problem and it wouldn't surprise me either because she's terrible at what she does and you know she's in this podunk town on on the river alcoholism as i understand it it messes with people's brains and it makes them dumber yeah yes it does like over time and 
maybe this is what happened to her. Could very well be. And so, anyway, if you don't take the plea, there are certain benefits that accrue sort of not just directly to you because the benefit to the individual is, number one, if you don't take a plea, you don't get to find out what the evidence is against you. You just don't ever get to look at that unless you take like a last minute plea after you've actually seen the evidence. But in a lot of cases, most people just plea at the arraignment. So they're done. Before uh, they even work out like a deal with the prosecutor? That is the deal. They take a plea deal at the arraignment. The prosecutor cuts the deal right then and there, and they don't ever go any further. Wow. That's where 99% of the cases end. Which is so weird. Like, why is justice up to the hands of these, like, unelected, not, you know, any more special than any other human prosecutor people? Mm-hmm. Like, why do they get to decide how much justice costs? It's just so weird. Like, that we just... Uh, live day to day with this going on every day and we're like, yep, that's fine. That's the justice system. Well, Well, if people actually believed in justice, they would be appalled by this because either this person is guilty of this crime for which they should be in jail, but they won't be because the the prosecutor is being too merciful or the person is not guilty of this and they're going to be sentenced unjustly Mm -hmm. because the prosecutor was threatening them more harshly. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's actually an advocate of justice would be repulsed by this system. Correct. Even if they believed, as most people do, that justice is this sort of revenge-based thing that we have going on in the United States that we call justice, but I don't think it's actually justice. It's just vengeance and retribution, but whatever. Even if they genuinely believe that that system can produce justice, it doesn't. Obviously, a reason to take a plea deal, though, in, an inst- in the instant is that it's stressful. People want it to be over, and they see this as the uh, the quickest way out, and... You can't blame somebody for not wanting to go to jail. I mean, you you snickered at uh, 365 days or whatever as a potential punishment. Well, I don't know you, if but, I snicker, but I it's snickered serious. At the, I snickered at the possibility that they're going to hit you with a maximum sentence for a misdemeanor, for op- having an open container or something like that if you have no criminal history. Most people don't want to go to jail for two minutes, let alone two days, two months, or an entire year. It's right. very scary for people. They don't... They don't have any experience with that. They know what they've seen in the movies. And you lose a portion of your life forever. Yeah, you don't get that back. And if you don't know what's going to happen to like the rest of your family, like your kids or your dog. or Yeah, it's scary. Uh, and so I don't blame it. Like I said, I don't blame anyone for doing it. Everybody has their reasons. But they almost always do it without being fully informed of what they're losing and what they're giving up. Yeah, the judge rattles off your rights as they wipe them away from you. You sign them away. So there's like a quick rattling off of some of the things that you could have done. But it's still not a real fully informed decision, I think, that most people make. And the real so I go I went over the individual reasons to not do it. But there's also the sort of collective benefit. And what I mean by that is the more people don't take a plea, the more trials have to get scheduled. The more trials have to get scheduled, the more these bureaucrats, these lazy bureaucrats like this woman we saw today have to actually work. And you know what? They don't want to do that kind of work. Even today, whenever uh, Preston H. Now's lawyer came in, I was right there, asked if he wanted me to move or anything, but he said no, so they're just talking over me. Mm -hmm. He was like... uh, anything we need to talk about to his lawyer and his lawyer's like well we could talk about a deal with the prosecutor if you want to and he said no i'm not going to do that you know we're not going to do that (laughs) that's the way it should be so the more trials they have to schedule the more time it takes of the court 
And unlike, you know, the dollar, there's not an unlimited number of courtrooms. Obviously, bigger cities have more of them. Smaller towns like Claremont or whatever, they don't. This is like literally the only courtroom this town has, and it has to deal with cases from several connected towns in the the region. So you really do load up if you've got enough people not taking a plea. And I'm talking about parking tickets, speeding tickets, especially the little stuff, right? Like where you really aren't even looking at jail time, where you're just looking at, you know, a $100 fine or something like that. That's the kind of stuff that it costs next to nothing except for your time, which, again, is another reason a lot of people take a plea. They don't want to take a day off from work. They're busy. They don't. This is not how they want to spend Who doesn't want to take a day off from work? (laughs) Well, some people are worried they're going to get punished or whatever at work. They yeah, have crappy jobs or out whatever. Out of days off, that's one thing. So, um, so anyway, if they're loaded up with a bunch of cases that they have to go to trial on, guess what? They don't want to have to do that. You want to make sure that your attorney asks for a complete copy of any and all exculpatory evidence. Because uh, county attorneys... And probably district attorneys are notorious. I mean, if they won't, if it's not asked, they won't, they won't volunteer or mm. they won't turn it over. And they're required by Brady v. Maryland 63, you know, both state and federally, to turn over all exculpatory evidence, whether it's asked for or not. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. I, I don't think it's necessary to have your attorney ask for it. If they don't if they don't turn over the discovery to you, then they can't use it at trial. End of story. And if they do, then right. it, it's a mistrial. Or I, I don't know exactly what the consequences of that would be. Well, in the case of Rob, the consequence was almost a decade in prison because they didn't turn over uh, the evidence that he now found out about 40 years later, uh, unfortunately, that, or 30 years later. But did they use that evidence at trial? Well, they excluded no. the, the evidence, which would have proven that his the only witness against him was a known liar. Oh, they can't they can't do that though. They did it. Yep. They oh, that's because me. the liar was a cop. That's right. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's one of their special little exemptions. <laughs> they were protecting him, uh, but exactly. that information finally came out. Rob, what else? Um, no, I just want to make sure that people, you know, if you're going to go to trial, you know, make sure that you check. Uh, you know, all of exculpatory evidence. And then the other thing that I would recommend highly is read the Brady v. Maryland law, 63, because there's a whole bunch of stuff in there you really should know about. And what is that law? The Brady v. Maryland law. And, and, sub- and can you summarize that- why it's relevant? Well, because uh, it forces the this law forces the county attorneys or federal attorneys to turn over all exculpatory evidence. If they don't, then that's considered as prosecutorial misconduct. Yeah, and if you're lucky, they'll get a slap on the hand over it rather than any kind of serious punishment. But still, better to have that out there than not have it, I suppose. I think a federal judge is less likely to to be harsh simply because you didn't take a plea. But I don't know if there's any evidence for that. Well, I hope you're right. I, I'm saying I think. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying there's any evidence for it or yeah. that it's a scientific fact or anything like that. I just, I, I, I suspect that a federal judge is less likely to to hold that personally. However, a a more local judge like the ones here in Keene mm-hmm. that you know the activists had been frustrating and riling up for the better part of a few years. Mm-hmm. I I could totally see a judge, you know, li- just literally throwing a book at someone mm-hmm. and saying, oh, well says here this is the maximum so let's make an example of them nine years it could happen uh 
I don't I don't think that would have been the case. I don't think all. so either. Derek had virtually no criminal history whatsoever at that point. It wouldn't have been Well, anyway, it is what it is. He took the plea and uh, and again, like I said, if you do it, I don't blame you for it. You got to do what's right for you. But the more people we can discourage from taking the plea, especially in the little crap, especially on the parking tickets and the speeding tickets, and and those are the kind of things where you can get your feet wet without any real significant risk and get a feel for what it's like to be in court. Because that's another reason people don't want to go to court. It's scary. You know, you're in this place. You don't, you know, you're surrounded by people who will do anything at all that a man in a robe tells them to. Uh, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's legal or not. Whatever the man in the robe says, they'll do it. It really is scary. Like that, that guy today, uh, the bailiff, sorry, he yelled at somebody in the court for wearing a hat, just no court or hats in the court. It was just like, why do you think you have some kind of authority to scream at people? Because he has a man in a robe who will back him up and will charge you with contempt of court which is a charge that does not even exist in statute. It was 100 or, or 200 times more distracting to the court proceedings for him to scream to at yell. that man than yeah. for the person all the way in the back to wear a hat. Right. Absolutely true. It reminds me of what happened to me when I was in like the seventh grade. Oh, we had some sort of markers that were usable in hair or something like that. So me and a few other people use these orange and bright green markers in our hair or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there in the middle of our science class, the teacher just singled me out, was like, you're causing a disruption, started yelling and screaming at me, ended up sending me to the principal's office. And mm-hmm. the principal was like, well, what were you doing to cause a distraction? I was like, I didn't cause anything. He did. Everyone was fine, and then he stopped class to yell at me for five minutes. Like, this was on him, dude. He was the distraction. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so, I think we've said enough about the the plea deal. If you want to read more about it, you can go to tools.freekeen.com, and there's a link to the actual plea deal flyer that we pass out here in New Hampshire. And it's still relevant if you're not living in New Hampshire. That's sort of the general gist of the, the concept. But that said... It makes more sense to do these things in a place where you have a group of people doing them. I've heard that since the 1950s, they have known that calcium will cure cancer. So this is the finding that I... Sarah is not a doctor, and uh, she is not (laughs) able to give medical advice. So just like milk? The FDA has certainly not evaluated that claim not that we believe in what the fda says or anything like that i mean it it may be true we don't know but that's just what sarah's saying for the record anyway sarah sells calcium supplements oh uh, Oh. that wouldn't surprise me is that what you do sarah you've got a calcium product you're trying to pitch oh no i i i don't do that on the radio because i'm not allowed to do that selling anything on your show anyways what you mean is the company that you are working with doesn't allow you to promote things on the radio? Right, and plus I don't advertise nothing on your show anyways because you don't like any of it. So I don't do any of any of the um, anything at all. I mentioned right. one name that... So right, but Sarah, that you do that. in fact have vitamins and calcium supplements that mm-hmm. you are selling to people, just not at this exact moment, right? But I don't use your means to do it. No, I, uh, okay. I do that... But you do have yeah, a product. Here, but here's the thing is that I got this information from a master's, Mr. Barefoot, who is a scientist. Master's a, Mr. A Barefoot? Master's did I misunderstand? I'm sure I misunderstood you. What did you say? Well, I mean, this was uh, the, I heard this. Sarah, what did you just say? My source. From where? No, but uh, this, Mr. Barefoot. He, Mr. Barefoot. Uh, 
Yeah, but he um, was actually Mr. Barefoot. Uh, he has a master's degree in biochemistry. So he's the one that. Who the hell is um, Mr. Barefoot? So do people that die of cancer just not drink milk the whole time, and that's why they die? Like, because there's calcium in milk. There's calcium in lots of stuff. Like, do you have to have a bunch of calcium, a specific kind of calcium? Do you right, have to right. inject her it? Brand. You have to use her brand well, of calcium. No, the, the dosage, the dosage, the record, calcium factor dosage was 1,500 milligrams per day. According so to Mr. Barefoot. Are, that sounds like an awful lot of calcium. Barefoot. Now, who is Mr. Barefoot, and where did you meet him? No, I, I saw him on television. Mr. Barefoot. And, uh, now, is this related to the Berenstein Bears? Uh, no, that's that's just his name. That he was advertising one product that he was uh, advertising on television, and I saw his commercial. Was this at two so, o'clock in the morning, Sarah? <laughs> I don't know, but but he's he's been off the air. I went to my doctor today, and I realized the reason why I like this doctor so much is like walking into a yoga studio. Mm. It's, mm. it's just got a yoga studio kind of vibe zen. to it when you walk into it. Yeah, it's very relaxed. There's, you can almost see the, I, I don't know, the yoga ambiance to it. Mm. It's, it's not your normal doctor. The number, if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. You're talking, by the way, about an interesting model for doctoring, which is direct primary care. Yes, it and, cost me $60 per month. Mm-hmm, which can, you could pay in crypto if you were allowed to, but you you're could. not. I can right text now. my doctor. I can email my doctor. I can pick up the phone and call, and she'll answer. And I got there today at 2 o'clock for my 2 o'clock appointment, and at 2.05, right yes, I was sitting there talking to the doctor. The only yeah. reason it, I took five minutes was because she didn't hear me come in. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, t- I texted her. I was like, hey, I don't know if you heard me or not, but I'm down here, and she came right down. And oh, I spent yeah, the yeah. Next 40- you probably could have just yelled up right when you yeah, walked in, true. like, hey, anybody home? I spent the next 40 minutes sitting down talking with my yeah. doctor. There was none of this, hey, you spend two hours in the waiting room, and then they take you back to this oh, other God. room where you spend another hour waiting. Right. And, and then the doctor comes in for five minutes, looks you up and down, says, all right, cough, uh, here's a prescription, right? Yep. He know? checks off some boxes. He yeah. uses an app, basically, to diagnose you, and then he just does whatever that app says. Yeah. But it's absolutely crazy to Google your diagnosis. No, you need a doctor. Yeah, it's the polar opposite of what I was using a few years ago, which was just this online only sort of thing, which mm -hmm. had the same expedience to it, except even they would make you wait. They're like, your appointment's at four o'clock, but your doctor is not actually going to connect to it until about 415 usually. So even those assholes would make you wait. But ooh, I don't know if I can say. Probably not, but it's probably too late anyway. But even those guys would make you wait. And it was all online, but it was only 10 or 15 minutes then. You didn't have to spend a lot of time in the lobby and then go to the back room and none of that crap. Uh, Direct primary care. Definitely worth a look for people that are tired of the the current standard of care in the doctor industry. Or don't want to have insurance. Yeah, um, they don't take insurance. It's not mm-hmm. it's not an option, and that's the reason why they don't need a staff, because if you've ever talked to a doctor who does take insurance, they'll tell you that the bulk of what they do all day is filling out paperwork for these insurers and the Medicare and the Medicaid and the government uh, mandates and all this crap. That and sounds as, awful. As soon as you cut that out, you don't need your staff anymore. The old little rocket man from North Korea, he's at it again. What's he doing now? You know, he, he's, he has lobbed a few uh, missiles into the South China Sea, or not the, the Sea of Japan already. Mm-hmm. Well, the North Korean guy? Yeah, Kim yeah, Jong-un. 
this time the little hooligan lobbed one right over the island of Japan. And wow. that has raised some hackles. Wow. So they're searching they're searching for the wreckage of this missile on the other side of the island, so they got some uh, solid evidence to, you know, take to NATO or whatever. I doubt much will come of it, but uh yeah, he's getting uppity again. That's crazy. I hadn't heard of that. It just yeah. happened. Two like hours said, ago this, is... This, uh, this is breaking news, darling. Yep, this is pretty fresh here. Thanks for the, the news, Major. Anything else you want to share? Nah, I'm good. All right, Peace appreciate the uh, the heads up Peace on out. that. Yep, looks I'm like... I'm not terribly concerned about Kim Jong-un and North Korea. I think it's a lot of saber-rattling on their part, and uh, they wouldn't be doing it if China... Well, did, if, launching a missile over the island of Japan is a little more than saber-rattling. I mean, China did it to Taiwan recently. It's not terribly unusual, and North Korea wouldn't do it if they didn't <laughs> have China having their back. But Japan has Naruto. That okay. what? They have Naruto. <laughs> the cartoon. Oh, okay. They I don't know have... what Taiwan has. Um, not much. It's a pretty small place from, from what I understand. I think uh, they have prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one time... Wait, that's Thailand. Oh, oh yes. yeah, you're right. Yeah. One time a lady I worked with from the Philippines told me the women, or the, like, the trans, like, prostitutes in Thailand are more beautiful than any woman I've ever seen, Bonnie. Like, you wouldn't believe it. And it's the makeup. Some of them can be. It's really weird, right? Mm. And... It, it's, it's strange. It's apparently the makeup capital of the world, she said. Let's get into something else, uh, Bonnie, that we've been teasing here throughout the night, and that is you've got a story from The Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. And it's called Five Strategies I Used to Reach Financial Independence Before Turning 40. Now, this is different than one you had before, which was also like a list from Fee, right? Yeah, it was the same author. Oh, okay. And it was... 10 ways to live like a millionaire even if you're not gotcha this is just i thought this would be interesting to follow it up because it's like this guy giving his tips since uh we already knew he was like well off so his opinions on how to live like a millionaire if you're not a millionaire weren't that great because he seemed to be like a millionaire mm. and uh it's just i don't know we didn't think they were they that great relatable they weren't very relatable okay what is financial independence I think the definition of that would be you aren't depending on like some corporation to give you a paycheck that okay. you've you've managed to invest mm. in enough areas, not just one thing. Like most people just put their time into a company and they get a paycheck, right? And then they end right. up living paycheck to paycheck as now I believe 60% of Americans are doing. Uh, I saw that as I understood it. That means the number is down though. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, it just shifts over time, but sure. Um, so then, you know, you've got investments and so you've got different streams of money coming in from various different locations. So if one of them goes out of business or something fails, it's not the end of the world. You're not going to have to crawl back to Walmart or or something if uh, if that occurs. I think that would be the definition of financial independence, not having to rely on just one thing. Freedom from having to have a job. That's a big freedom for freedom a, for from a lot needing of a job, yeah. I suppose. Okay. He doesn't dis, uh, describe it or define it in here. He instead gives a different criteria for which was his goal. He says, mm -hmm. "Have you ever wondered if there's a single number that will tell you when you've finally made it financially? There is one, in fact, the four percent rule. The four percent rule is a rule of thumb used by most most financial advisors that withdrawing a maximum of four percent of your portfolio per year will allow you to live indefinitely on your savings. Hmm. 
The rule is based on 75 years of stock market history, and while there's debate about what the exact percentage should be, flipping the rule around 1 over 0.04% means that you need to save 25 times your annual spending to be set for life. Okay. okay. So there's some math in there. I'm not going to be able to uh, explain. Well, if, but if the average person is spending, you know, $10,000 a year, which is real unrealistic, then they would need to have $250,000 in order to live the rest of their life. If you go to watch Victimless Crime Spree at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com, one of the times I get uh, get arrested in that is for going to court after I was <laughs> banned. Uh, me, Derek J., and Derek got arrested at the same time, uh, and a couple of others were banned from the courthouse property unless we had quote-unquote business at the courthouse. And then they had sent me some sort of a notice. I think it was about, I don't even remember what it was, but I, I felt like I had an excuse to go there. And so I went in, ended up getting uh, arrested for trespass, for criminal trespass. To ask about and, whatever they had sent you in the mail? Yeah, it was something about that. And so then they offered me a plea deal, of course, and it was like, you know, plead to a misdemeanor and it wasn't the worst thing or whatever that they were offering. And I said no. And then right. uh, they later they came back with another plea offer some some amount of time later. And this was, all right, well, we'll drop it to a violation level trespass if you'll just take the plea. No time, no fine. Just admit you are guilty. <laughs> and you got to admit, that's a pretty tempting one, right? Like no fine, no time, nothing. You just you get the guilty and you walk away. And I, I guess, but at this point, there's no consequence to <laughs> insisting on a trial. Well, the, the consequence would be if you went to trial, you'd still be guilt, found guilty okay. of a misdemeanor. It was only they would drop it to okay, a violation yeah. if you took the plea. And so I said no, and they dropped the charges. I don't remember if it was the day before trial, but before trial, they dropped the charges. In that case. Congrats. So, yeah. um, Just ridiculous yeah. all around. Yep, sure is. Understandably, the system is rigged to oppose savings because if you are aware of what's happening to the money, which is to say that they are debasing its value by printing out more money constantly, that's what inflation is, by the way, folks. They don't tell you that on television or in the government schools you went to, but inflation is an increase in the money supply. If you realize that your money is getting weaker over time, you have less of an incentive to save, right? Like You don't yep. want to hold on to that stuff. You want to spend it. And so, of course, they're encouraging that. And then, of course, worse than that, they encourage people to get into debt, which is just makes matters much worse. The opposite of savings. Yeah. So well, what else do we need to know? We learned about the 4% rule from this guy last time. Could Which do, is to say that you are financially independent if you can spend 4% a year of your savings and never run out, basically, until you die. I think right. that's a summary that's, of it. Yeah, that's a good summary. This guy says ever since he learned about the 4% rule... He became determined to meet that benchmark, preferably before he turned 40. Spoiler, I did, he says. It's not that I wanted to retire early and goof off for the rest of my life. I wanted to spend the second half of my life working on projects I believe in rather than dealing with office politics and doing work I hated or wasn't passionate about. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. And that's what I did. That The week I turned 41, I quit my job to become a Bitcoin consultant and advocate. I could take a risk because I knew that I would never again need to work to live. A decade of planning, hard work, and sacrifices set me up for a life where I could focus my limited time on projects that I believed in. Well, if he's a Bitcoin consultant or whatever it was he said, then chances are he got into Bitcoin relatively early. Mm -hmm. I don't know what so that I, means. So I feel like he probably he may have cheated a little bit and just sort of got 
lucky with Bitcoin. Could be. I mean, that's not a cheat, but yeah. You know, it's, it's not. It's not. Yes, but it's not something that the average person can just repeat now. It's like Donald right Trump now, saying, yeah. you know, I just got a million dollars from my Smaller. father and I turned it into, yeah. Right. It, Even if Bitcoin sort of goes up 10x, is it going to go up 100x at this point? It's hard to say. Right. I think it probably will, but who knows? Uh, I don't know. Well, I don't know how old this guy is. Maybe that would give us a clue on whether or not he just became rich overnight. But Should we jump to the next uh, point? I don't know how far we are from that. I'm at okay, that. you're at it. Okay, cool. So here are the five ways he accomplished his financial goals. One, rent instead of buy. I held out on mm. buying my first home as long as I could until COVID-19 forced my hand. While, um, while home ownership is great for a growing family, renting for nearly the first 20 years of my career was crucial to my financial success. The financial trade-off of rent versus buy is complicated. Because, honestly, I've always thought maybe you should buy. Renting is just pouring money down the drain. Well, let's hear him make his pitch. It says the trade-off is complicated. In short, over the long run, home prices merely keep up with inflation, while the stock market provides a 7% inflation return. Quote, in the last 125 years... No guarantees of that, by the way. Right. U.S. home prices have increased 3.2% per year before inflation and 0.3% after inflation, explains financial advisor Chloe A. Moore, who adds home ownership comes with a lot of hidden costs. Sure, that's true. Things can be wrong and break, and you then have to repair them. There's no doubt about that. One of those hidden costs is that home ownership makes it rather expensive to relocate for career opportunities. True. A cost I was able to avoid. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.